0: Ladies and gentlemen, thrilled to have you here for another epic debate. And if this is your first time here at Modern Day Debate, want to let you know I'm your host, James Coons, and we are a nonpartisan channel. So we have no positions ourselves. Our goal is just to provide a level playing field for everybody to get to make their case. And so want to let you know, folks, no matter what walk of life you're from, we really do hope you feel welcome here and welcome. And also want to let you know, folks, we are pumped. This basically Modern Day Debate, the podcast, has launched. and It's been months now, but I am so excited that we've gotten so much. People have been downloading the podcast a lot, which is super encouraging. So we hope it's a value to you. And if you have not tried it yet, well, hey, pull out your favorite podcast app. Find us on there as I'm just super encouraged. It's apparently useful for people. And so that's just awesome. And so with that want to let you know the details for tonight's debate we're going to jump right into it folks so in particular we are going to give it over to 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 justice walker first followed by tom jump for their opening statements then about 50 to 60 minutes of open conversation and finally q a at the end so if you happen to have a question feel free to tag me in the live chat with at modern day debate that'll make it easier for me to see your question in the chat And, as always, folks, do want to encourage you, we're all about attacking the argument. And we encourage you to stay focused on attacking the argument rather than the person. And so, with that, I'm going to introduce our guests or give them a chance more so to introduce you to their links. As Folks, if you want to hear any more of our guests, you certainly can. I have put their links at the very top of the description box below. They're waiting for you right now. What are you waiting for? So, first, Justice Thanks so much for being with us. We're thrilled to have you here. What can people expect to find at your YouTube channel linked below?
2: Thank you, James. Uh, People can expect to find just uh, basic uh, videos about our life here in Siberia, the work that we do, um, as well as in the future after this debate, I hope to be launching a podcast. And so I'll be putting up episodes on the YouTube channel about home education and my views on that. So basically faith, farming and family. That's what we do on my YouTube channel.
0: You got it. Thrilled to have you here, and also thrilled to have my twin brother back, Tom. Glad to see you, buddy. What can people expect to find at your link in the description?
1: Um, I do candid scare videos of Stephen, Steen, and James, so I like walk up behind them with a balloon and pop it, and then record their reactions and upload it on YouTube. That's what I do for fun. That is my hobby in the spare time. You can find that on my YouTube channel, along with James's OnlyFans, only, only on my YouTube channel exclusively what a nasty
0: guy nobody scares me like tom jump does that's for sure and with that we are excited folks we're gonna jump right into this and so excited to hear your new take is this is a brand new topic which is also exciting so justice the floor is all yours for your opening
2: all right uh, one uh once again thank you so much for having me james it's wonderful to be here on modern day debates, I ran across modern day debates, I don't know, quite a while back on the on the YouTube channel, you guys were still pretty, pretty small and um, very big thanks again for doing the podcast version that helps those of us who are on limited satellite internet, and have limited access to get some pretty good, pretty good debates uh, that way. So, um, as has been said, my name is Justice Walker, um, just as by means of introduction, I'm a missionary farmer. Uh, entrepreneur, father of three, home educated, home educator, live in Siberia. Um, my basic position uh, about the the topic today is that in the last 200 years, the Western industrialized world has produced four ideas that are tragic and intolerable in if, if we want to see society progress. The first of them, it was socialism. The second was fascism. The third is the threat of nuclear to eradication of the planet. And the fourth is massed force public education. Uh, the fourth being the worst because it enables the prior three. I believe that, home edu- uh, that public education is not only um, this great woe, but it is also systemic child abuse writ large. And like societies who have systematically abused their children in the past, public education is being ubiquitous as it is um, we don't we don't see it for what it is, and it takes a little bit of um, abstraction, stepping back and looking at it to kind of observe that. Um, my case against public education is based on three basic uh, observations or three basic positions, three basic premises. The first of the the first is a historic observation of how children have always been raised in the family prior to uh, in the United States the last hundred years in the Western world in general the last 150 or so years. um, As well, the second premise is that public education is not about education to begin with at all. Uh, That's not its goal in general, and that is explicit. This is not some sort of conspiracy theory but can be demonstrated from the documents and from the history. The third is that uh, public education, is a menace to free society and if we would want to continue to grow up in a democracy and raise our children in a free society that is free from tyranny we must abandon this form of education so those are my uh the basic three-stage attack on the public education system um as well as i support home education for exactly the opposite reasons (laughs) of course i believe that Home education gives is both natural. Uh, historically, has been the way that families have always socialized their children. And thirdly, it has uh, wide, wide-reaching societal benefits, as it would, especially if it would be implemented on a larger and larger scale. So, beginning um, with the historical, uh, it it goes without saying that in in the history of humanity. Um, Public education is a novelty. It's a unique thing. Uh, in the past, uh, it was always the role of the family to educate their children, especially up to the point of uh, specialization, when a child was uh, expected to go and, and specialize in some trade. Um, this has been the historic norm, uh, and was so until in the Western world just over just around two hundred years ago, um, when the Prussian state first uh, was the first one to begin to experiment with. The idea of uh, public education. In 1806, uh, Napoleon des- destroyed the Prussian army at the Battle of Jena. Um, this was a public, uh, absolute public catastrophe, a PR catastrophe for the Prussian state, which a large portion of its income was derived from its military prowess and from uh, renting out its armies, basically mercenary armies. Uh, all throughout Europe, and the uh, Frederick Wilhelm King Frederick Wilhelm III, I think it was, is, is the uh, proper title, was basically looking for an answer of how this ragtag army of French revolutionaries could possibly defeat his uh, mercenaries. And the answer that he that he received from scholars of the day, from the philosophers, was they have a national identity, a national idea that they're willing to fight for. And he said, "How can we?" Get that synthetically in our country? And the answer that came back was written by um, a man by the name of Johann Fichte, a philosopher, who basically sets out the idea, the project of public education as we know it today in two books the first and the second address to the German nation, uh, where he talks about the primary goal of public education, forced mass public education as we know it today, um, is to set up a a synthetic nationalism that will get people or guide people towards the um, towards towards re- replacing their natural patriotism that they have towards their family, towards their clan, towards their town to a centralized a centralized state. Um, Jochen Fichte is explicit that the idea of public education is not to teach math reading science or other useful skills but to indoctrinate children into a belief that the state is their their primary um, object of loyalty uh, we as we as we progress through the history of public education with such people as, Horace Mann or John Dewey, who eventually brought the public education system to the United States, uh, we see that this is always in their writings the main reason. They have a utopian view of remolding society in a particular vision or a particular view, um, and it is not, doesn't have very little to do with the actual education of children as much as it has to do with indoctrination and propagandization. Uh, Horace Mann in particular, and John Dewey as well, saw that public education was a way of taking what they saw as a backwards rural nation, the United States, um, renting the children from the clutches of their Christian upbringing and their home environments and indoctrinating them in a new progressive vision. Unfortunately, the utopian vision of what can be done using school is not limited to uh, the proponents of modern uh, public education. Uh, such people like Martin Luther also saw that the, the idea of a state-sponsored uh, public education far, far before it was actually implemented, he thought that that would be a great way to uh, indoctrinate children into Christianity. Uh, either way that you look at it, if you're on the progressive side or on the Christian side, I particularly believe that the idea of forcibly indoctrinating other people's children is abhorrent. I believe that it is the responsibility, right, and role of parents to not only provide their children with their physical needs, but also to pass on their cultural and um, spiritual heritage to their children. And this is part of the defining functions of the family. As I already mentioned, the primary goal of public education, as described by its proponents throughout the ages, has been indoctrination and propaganda, um, making people more malleable and obedient to authorities willing to uh, go along with the narrative. And I believe that this is um, completely opposed to uh, the idea of a democracy, the ability to be able to um, resist tyranny. We see this. As it plays out in uh, jury trials, as public education progressed in the 20th century in the United States, uh, the acquittal rate on jury trials dropped dramatically to the point where today 90% of trials that go before a jury are convicted and I personally believe, and I think the studies show out, or or at least at least the comparative information that we have would show that part of the reason why we have this deference to what is perceived as the authority in a courtroom has largely to do with public education. So, what's the alternative? I think the alternative is that parents take responsibility um, to to. Educate their children at home. I try to even get away from using the term homeschooling because the term to me is so abhorrent that I would prefer to use the word, uh, the term home education, uh, to educate their children at home in a way that is um, in line with how children have received education throughout the entirety of of human history. Uh, I believe that this not only produces a better uh, human being, a better, less traumatized human being, but it also has exponential effects on society. Studies have shown that children who have been home educated are not only happier, healthier, wealthier, more uh, involved in the community, but also more politically active, as much as two and a half to three times more active in political and community matters than their comparative cohorts in uh, public school. also, home education is one of the few educational models that is resilient uh, to outside factors such as the income of the family, the racial makeup of the family, and many other factors that are that that have, in general, traditionally huge effects on children's outcomes. Uh, children from uh, economically less advantaged families, as well as children from uh, economically favored families, do Relatively the same with home education, which is leaps and bounds ahead of their um, public school counterparts in general. Uh, and so we see that this is a, a generally a, a better system all around. So I don't have this uh, this uh, preamble written out. I'm kind of ad-libbing, and I would hope that uh, after we hear from Tom, I can I can we can kind of get into it in the uh, open discussion.
0: You got it. Thank you very much. And we will kick it over to Tom Jump for his opening statement. You know, guys, forgot to mention at the start, we are pumped as we are in talks with Matt Dillahunty and Samuel Nassan for a one-on-one debate next month on whether or not Jesus fulfilled prophecy, which you're seeing on the bottom right of your screen. So, hey, if you haven't yet, hit that subscribe button and that notification bell for a reminder as you don't want to miss that one live. It's going to be a party. And so thanks so much, Tom. The floor is all yours for your opening as well.
1: All right, so the topic home education versus public education. Now, I don't wanna bash uh, home education because all the studies seem to show that home education does better for for the students at uh, educating them and giving them a good education. They do better on test scores, they do better psychologically, they have better socializing skills. So home education, having a parent, a one-on-one teacher to parent ratio where the teacher can specialize the course to the, the child will absolutely do better for the child, like absolutely, for sure. It's like, if we all had personal doctors, that would clearly, we'd all be healthier than having to go to some public doctor. The problem is, is that it's not a realistic thing to do in a society, because in order to have one of your parents stay at home, uh, one, they have to be not have a job. So they're either going to have to, like, essentially, or have a part time job. So they're not going to be being paid as much, which means you need to be in a very wealthy country where someone can actually afford to stay home and teach their kid. And they need to have access to the resources and knowledge to do so. so they need to be educated, which means home education can only happen in first world nations pretty much. Um, you need a significant amount of money and time to be able to give to the child. And so, which is why the vast majority of countries don't implement home education on a large scale. Like, uh, most Western nations, even the highest developed ones, have a few thousand at most. Most countries who do home education have a few hundred. Uh, The US has 2 million, so more than like everywhere else combined. But again, this is only possible in an extremely wealthy nation where you have access to all of the, the technology and resources from the government to do this. It's not a realistic thing to be able to be implemented on a systemic level. You can't have uh, an education system of people being taught this for the entire country and have a, a sustainable literacy rate, which is why the implementation of public schools is one of the biggest contributing factors to global literacy over the past two centuries. Uh, from the global education network or whatever From a historical perspective, the world went through a great expansion in our education over the past two centuries. This can be seen across all quantity measures. Global literacy rates have been climbing over the course of the last two centuries, mainly through increasing rates of enrollment in primary education. Secondary and tertiary education have also seen a drastic growth with global averages, years in schooling being much higher now than 100 years ago. Despite all these worldwide improvements, some countries have been lagging behind, mainly in sub-Saharan Africa, blah, blah, blah. So uh, the public schools are essentially the major contributor to fixing Global literacy rates and a population that's better educated has less unemployment, reduced dependency on public assistance programs, greater tax revenue. Uh, education also plays a key role in uh, reducing crime, improved public health, and greater political and civic engagement. Uh, one of the things uh, justice mentioned is that uh, public schools are a way to indoctrinate kids to like the government well, yeah that's technically true that's why we teach history there's no other reason for it history's kind of useless we just teach it to indoctrinate the kids into getting involved in political and civil engagement and it works I mean that's a, a good thing in a sense that we want people to be engaged in politics preferably not by manipulating them but it does get them engaged and so and the only way to do this is through public education like doing uh home education isn't going to work on a systemic level again, because you need parents who can stay at home. Like if we were back in the 1950s where women didn't work, maybe, maybe that's a possibility, but we're not like people have to work. People have to get a job. And so expecting parents to, to stay at home or to give up a sufficient, a significant portion of their day to teaching their children is a big thing to ask. And it's definitely not possible in most third world nations. So this, Homeschooling idea of replacing public schools with homeschooling is just not realistic at all. Uh, it, it's great for rich people who, who can do it and who have time. It's not so great for poor people. Um, and so, in order to have a, a system that has reliable, successful results at bringing countries out of poverty and creating a consistent system to make people literate, public schools are essentially one of the leading contributors in the world that have been demonstrated to do this. Now, I agree there's lots of problems with public schools, but Overall, it has had a significant demonstrable positive impact throughout history. Uh, and so denouncing it and saying that we should replace it with a program as unrealistic as having every parent stay home or one parent stay home to teach every single child is, is completely ridiculous. It's as ridiculous as socialism or just giving a, a, a each person their own personal doctor. Like it's not a realistic system that can be implemented. And so I would advocate public schools are what we should invest in we should try to try to fix the problems with public schools but they are a better system overall than homeschooling because it is more applicable to everyday people and it isn't as extravagant and expensive and time-consuming as homeschooling And i'll conclude there
0: thank you very much we will jump into the open discussion section everybody and with that thanks so much gentlemen the floor is all yours
2: all right, so I would just like to take the opportunity here to respond a little bit to what Tom said, and then maybe Tom has some questions for me as well. But the uh, one of the reasons why I mentioned right in the opening that I am a you know missionary and work in Siberia in Russia is because this is one of the uh, contentions that people bring up. You know, uh, home education is for the rich and for the well developed countries. Russia has an average income of uh, about ten thousand dollars uh, per family, actually a little bit less due to the um, uh, currency manipulations that have happened in the inflation in the last couple of years, something like like $8,000 per household, um, below global average, and that's average household uh, incomes. Most of the people that I work with, most of the parents that have chosen the home education path are uh, in that uh, position or below it. um, So they're definitely not the economically advantaged even of this country, let alone the world. And this is one of the main reasons why I'm an advocate for home education, because we see in public education that one of the biggest predictors of a child's success in public education is the economic status of the parents. Whereas in home education, we see that this does not bear out in the statistics. The economic status of the parents does not seem to affect the outcome nearly as much uh, the, the outcome of the child's education nearly as much as in public education. So, if the idea that Tom is promoting that home education is for the rich um, seems to be contested in the in the statistics, if the family makes the decision, even takes the economic hit to uh, educate the children at home, we see that the the, the educational outcome, again, um, in the large majority of cases, is going to be better than. Uh, the public The public education, and and as I know from experience, both in this country and the United States, the question of whether or not one parent should uh, stay home at least part time to educate their child, uh, their children, um, and and take the economic hit of that, is has to do more with lifestyle choice than with survival. And I believe that as parents, we should always put the welfare of our children ahead of some, some potential economic advantage that we have ourselves. So that would be the first uh, uh, objection I have. The second one to what Tom said is that um, the implementation of public school in most of the European nations, the industrialized European nations, um, that, that happened before the turn of the 20th century happened under um, scenarios of coercion. So it was, it was illegal not to send your child to school. It's not like um, there was this great, wonderful government program, and everyone sent their children there, and it was great. There was um, a lot of resistance to uh, the implementation in Europe and in the United States when it happened, and only recently have we regained the ability or the freedom to educate our children at home. Uh, I'm glad that I'm, you know, native born to the most free country in the world, as far as as home education is concerned, that's the United States. And I live in the second most free country uh, when it comes to home education, that happens to be Russia. But this is is a new turn of events and it's not like this was a naturally developed system. It was a system that was in place via coercion. And um, I think, you know, we don't know what a system would look like if we didn't have home education. Tom mentioned uh, literacy, world literacy rates. If we look at countries that um, had industrialized and therefore uh, were in need of a very literate society um, pre the implementation of public education, like for instance, the United Kingdoms, um, United States, uh, to a lesser degree, uh, New Zealand, Australia, uh, we see that literacy rates among the segments of society that were not limited by law from learning um, were, for all intents and purposes, rel- relatively unchanged with the onset of public education. And there are some, um, some data that we can look at that would suggest that, in fact, in the United States, literacy has actually dropped with the implementation of Public education again among those segments of society that were historically not forbid by law for uh, uh, it, it taking part in education. So that's kind of I guess the, my uh, come back there to responding to what Tom said, and yeah, something to say there on that one. So.
1: Well, yeah, your first statement is just factually wrong. Like a study conducted by Ray in 2010 indicates that the higher the level of parents' income, the more likely the homeschooled child is able to achieve academic success. That's just one of the papers I found. Ray Bryan, 2010, Academic Achievement and Demographic Traits of Homeschool Students, a nationwide study. Um, So your first statement is just factually false. Secondly, when we're talking about um, literacy rates, like obviously literacy rates have gone down over the past like 30 or 40 years due to crappy public schools but literacy rates going from like the 50 percent level to like the 90 percent level and dropping down to like the 84 percent level or whatever clearly public education has had a positive impact overall by a significant margin the fact that there's been a small drop in recent years is just irrelevant to the topic um so so those points didn't really make a difference you said that the the public schools aren't really for or homeschools aren't Demographically for the wealthy. Well, that's just not fault. Not true at all. Like India homeschooling is legal, but only like 500 to 1000 children are in homeschool in India. Well, why is that because they need to work. It's like, and they need to have an education in the first place to be able to teach the kids. Like, having having a homeschooled parent is hard. It's not just about a financial benefit. It's about being able to feed the rest of the family. Uh, so like food or education, you usually go with food. It's not just like you can d- choose to give up most of your hours of your day to to raise your kid and teach them schooling and just it's some loss of some extra money. That's a benefit of a first world nation. Like all the the examples you mentioned are still like first world nations. They're not India. They're not Pakistan. Uh, like Austria, two thousand. Uh, kids being homeschooled. Belgium, 500. Bulgaria, fewer than 100. Uh, Czech Republic, 2,500. Denmark, 400. Estonia, 100. Finland, 400. France has 63,000. That's a decent amount. Germany, it's illegal. So we have examples where it is actually illegal to have uh, homeschooling in Germany is one of the most educated, well-off countries in the world. It dominates American education by a significant margin. So clearly it works. Public education works just fine. Um, you just go down a the list. There's on the wiki, there's homeschooling international statistics. You can say like everywhere has essentially none or very, very limited. And which includes the vast majority of countries who have the absolute best levels of education anywhere in the world. America's like 20th or 30th or something. Um, all of these countries, Norway, 400, Homeschooled, one of the top ten uh, in education in the world. Uh, Poland has fourteen thousand. Not surprising, it's one of the higher numbers. Romania, five hundred. Like, if you just look at the the top countries for best education in the world, they usually don't have that much homeschooling. America being like twentieth with two point five million homeschooled students. There's a direct opposite correlation to the amount of homeschooling than usually the amount of. Uh, educational success in this in general. Like obviously if everyone was homeschooled, there would be, it would probably be better off. That'd be true. Cause I do homeschooling is, is a really good thing. Uh, having the parents who can teach your kids on a one-on-one basis and make the curriculum fit the kids needs is obviously better than a public schooling but public schooling when done well, like in Germany, Sweden, Denmark, Austria, uh, Australia does work extremely well that's why they're the top of education putting in homeschools, while not realistically feasible wouldn't really change much they're still going to be the best in the world like we don't we don't need to have that extra benefit there it doesn't do anything like the homeschooling or the public schooling systems work in all these countries obviously there's problems in america and other countries but public schools work like objectively one of the best metrics of success of a country of pretty much anything like I I don't even understand why you would think they're bad like obviously some public schools are bad but the vast majority of them have a positive outcome everywhere in the world
2: yeah the uh I guess the the idea of um taking a correlation of the um educational outcomes of a country uh and then looking at the level of home education in that country i, I think it's a, not exactly very useful uh because oh, right right you uh,
1: stratified i mean you're, sorry to interrupt but yes yeah you're right i mean i'm not saying that like, as i admitted earlier homeschooling is better than public schooling so the homeschooled on all of the studies mm-hmm. kids who are homeschooled do better on tests than kids in public school so obviously if everyone was homeschooled you you would get a higher score on this metric so i wasn't that's not the comparison i was making here what When you said that public schools was uh, abuse of some kind, and are bad, I can show the most educated countries in the world do predominantly public schools. And it has a very good impact on the kids and builds the society to a, a very positive way. And so it's definitely not abuse. In those cases, it's a very good thing for the countries. That, that was my point. It wasn't that homeschooling would make people dumber that I would I agree homeschooling is good education.
2: Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess the, the thing that I would say here is that if, again, we're, comp- we're comparing a, um, you know, looking, looking at countries that either st- greatly restrict um, home education, and therefore we don't have a comparative cohort within that country of how those children would do. Um, if they were home educated, who knows, maybe German children would do much better um, than even their uh, public school compatriots. Um, that seems to be what the what the results of every country that does have a, a large sample of um, home educated children uh, would show. Um, so, again, com- comparing those two things, I don't think has has much usefulness. I, th- I did misspeak and my probably probably misspoke, um in my opening statement. Um, when I and and again in my rebuttal, when I said that if if I said in fact that the economic status of the parents has no effect on the educational outcome, um, uh, of course economic status does have effect even in the home education. What I what I meant to say was that it has it. The effect is the home education is more resilient to the economic environment of the family. So if you have a person who is in poverty in uh, public uh, public school a person who is in poverty and home education their, their 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 outcomes are going to be um less departing from the mean um in the in the in the home education environment than not um so that is i mean the primary primary thing that i'm that i'm trying to say and the the other thing is is that uh was what what the other thing i was gonna say <laughs> got, got lost here lost my train of thought but uh maybe, maybe you have something to say there while i'm trying to remember <laughs>
1: uh well you mentioned that there wasn't uh a country that has no regulations on homeschooling to compare with or something like india has no regulations anybody can homeschool with their kids whatsoever and there's only like a few hundred that do it i mean so if it was really a viable option for poor people, you would probably have more than a few thousand people in a country of a few billion, um, but it doesn't happen. That's why it's it's not really a realistic thing. You need to, one, have parents who are educated and wealthy enough to be able to take time off work, which is not something very common in India, unless you're, of course, rich. Uh, and so, which is why homeschooling isn't really implemented. They all have the opportunity. Like there's no, no regulations in India about homeschooling or, or very limited. But no one chooses to do it because it's not easy. It's not something that can be implemented on a societal level unless you're rich, which is why it's more prevalent in richer countries. Like Canada has like 60,000 homeschooled. France has like 60,000 homeschooled. The rich countries have a lot of it. Poor countries have essentially none of it. Um, for For the reason it's hard to do, which is why it's not really a realistic strategy to implement on a societal level. Like, do you think that if we did like force homeschooling, just as an example, on India, that that wouldn't cause a lot of people to starve to death.
2: Yeah, I'm against forcing anything on anyone. Um, I'm for for choice, for freedom, um, for people to choose. And so the 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 main problem with the public education as we as we know it today is exactly that lack of choice. And you're bringing up India as a as a. Um, as an example, but I mean, we have to remember that India has, has just uh, within the last, not so many, not so many decades undergone the process of industrialization where a modern style of education is necessary for the advancement of a, of a family. And so it's like saying um, again, you know, in the 1700s, how many, how many children in America had, um, literacy skills. Well, how many needed those literacy skills to survive? And as your economic environment develops, um, and as the families adapt to new economic environments, those families, again, also adapt to their uh, circumstances and their environment, and providing the education that their children need, as they have done always in the past. So there's always a transitional period, like Indian, India um, is has been going through that transitional period. And um, it'll be interesting to see Uh, First of all, if they retain their stance, uh, legal stance on home education, um, or if they uh, decide to implement um, laws that would either regulate or limit um, access to it, and um, in the the future, and then see as people, as the economic environment develops, um, what people would, would then choose.
1: I'm not sure what your point was there. Like, they have both. Anybody can choose either one.
2: But the point is is that the point is is that if you are raised in an agrarian environment, um, and that's the environment that you've been in for you know hundreds of years, the tens of um, generations, that the skills that you need to survive in that environment, that economic environment are largely not what we would consider it literate skills. Um, and as you, as a nation, goes through in a process of industrialization and comes out of a primarily agrarian economy into something like an industrial economy or a post-industrial economy, the skill set that you need changes. And as that that change occurs, there is an adaptation period after which then families again are once more equipped in their new environment to give their children the education that they need. So. Um, well, I mean, they've you know, they've, not, only, they, uh,
1: they've definitely chosen uh, going to public schools because India has one of the l- largest education systems in the world, with over 1.5 million schools and a quarter of a billion kids all going to the public schools, and they have like a thousand homeschooled kids. Like, it's mm-hmm. there's it's there's no comparison. They've all chosen to go to actual schools instituted by the government. Like, a quarter of a billion is a lot of students. And only a very few choose homeschooling. Like I, I don't know, the transition period's already been passed here. Like we know they're they going to school. Mm-hmm.
2: So I mean, again, I'm not. It's hard to 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 speak to the the Indian particular environment because that's not something I'm necessarily compared, um, not necessarily uh, familiar with. Um, but one of the other things is, is you say like, uh, what is the what is the question of why I would see that um, public education is uh, what I would consider to be child abuse, and again, like if we're going to go look at, at correlation, of course we understand the correlation is not a not a means of causation; it's not proof of causation. But um, if you're to look up the, you know, uh, by rank, countries that have the highest level of uh, educational achievement, um, especially as measured not on the college level but on the elementary and high school level, and then compare those to uh, for instance, teenage suicide, um, it also is not a one-for-one correlation, but it's pretty high. So you have Japan, which is one of the you know highest uh, achieving nations in the world as far as public education is concerned, is also one of the higher nations, um, at least in the industrialized world, of um, teenage suicide. So this is something that also has to be dealt with when we think about it, is is not only what the you know, uh, what we think of as the educational achievement, what is the psychological impact and societal impact in the society um, in general? And again, you had mentioned before that the um, one of the benefits of public education, like you had mentioned history, is to get people to be involved in their government. Again, based on studies that in the United States, we see that people that are uh, educated in home education as opposed to public education are two or three times more likely to be involved in the community as measured by volunteering or by voter participation. So again, if the idea is to get people to be involved um, in their government, as opposed to simply obey <laughs> government edicts, um, that is, it seems that home education would be preferable.
1: Yeah, again, I agree. Home education is essentially better in every way than public education. But it's not realistic on a societal level like we can send most we can send a quarter of a billion kids to school in India, we can't have a quarter of a billion kids going to homeschool in India. So if the rate of getting them engaged in politics is even a third less than homeschooling, it's still going to get a third of a quarter of a billion people to engage in politics where that wouldn't have happened with homeschooling because you couldn't get get homeschooling for that many people. It's not realistic. So even though homeschooling is better overall, it can't be implemented on a large enough scale for the numbers to balance out. Public school is always going to have a better positive outcome because it can affect more people successfully in a country-wide scale because it doesn't require a parent staying home for each kid. Uh, you can teach a whole bunch of kids with one teacher and get not as good of an effect, but still a good effect. And the suicide rates are like, even in the highest countries are like 12 for a hundred thousand people. That's pretty small. Like, obviously it's a problem and something we need to fix, but you can't say public school is child abuse because the suicide rates are 0.00001%. Like that's that is, like, if it was like 50%, yeah, I would, I would be with you, but you can't, that's not a strong correlation at all to say that though the suicide rates are the highest in these countries therefore it must be the public schools like no it doesn't make any sense
2: yeah i'm um that is just one uh data point that i'm looking at it's not definitely the whole whole picture i do uh you know, of course, I disagree with you that you can't take a, for instance, number like twelve per hundred thousand and extrapolate some meaning from that as far as the effect of, the effectiveness um, or the 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 input. Of that system on that statistic. For instance, we measure police effective, uh, f- effectiveness by a metric of, say, for instance, the United States, it's five murders per hundred thousand, um, and we definitely use that as, on average, we definitely use that as a metric of the effectiveness of police. So, if we oh, were to sure, look at the other, it, the other, the reverse, well, the point um, of the police. It's something is that stop, we can definitely.
1: The point of police is to stop crime. So, the way we would measure if police effectiveness is the, is the crime rate directly. But how do you correlate? Uh, public schools and suicides like that doesn't that doesn't seem to have any connection directly at all you can't just say that well because there are suicides it's due to the public schools it's not that doesn't make any sense you'd have to show that there's a correlation between those two things not just that countries with both of them are have both because that's just like saying uh you'd
2: you'd have to You have to look at a – there definitely takes a a deeper statistical analysis to say that definitively, but when you look at example after example after example that the, you know, uh, success rates in public school – are positively correlated to um, higher suicide rates. It to me it just like gives you pause to think about it and say, you know what? We know that in early childhood development, one of the most important things is um, parental attention. You know, one of the most important predictors of a childhood, a child's psychological um, balance and well-being in life is how much attention they get from their parent. And then, oh, we have a system where kids are being taken out of their home at you know or, or or given out of the home, exported out of the home at six, at five, at, at uh, and huge, large amounts of their life are spent outside of the home, outside of parental attention, um, and they're deprived of that, and that this would be positively correlated with uh, youth suicide, to me, seems uh, to be not again, like I'm not gonna say it like absolutely definitively, because of course we'd we'd have to look at more statistical information on that, but it seems to me to be not <laughs> a, uh, a completely off-the-wall idea to 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 look at. Again, well, it does... the the idea of of what is potentially implementable in on a societal level, I you know, I I don't think that just because something is hard to do or um or hasn't been done before doesn't necessarily mean that it can't be done or even shouldn't be done. Again, if we're looking at the effect of home education on the educational outcomes of those who do participate in it, we might say, you know what, look, this is actually a better system. We see that the idea of the, um, you know, 19th century utopians was that we would create a, a different kind of society through public education that hasn't turned out to necessarily be true. So we also see that home education is a better system. Maybe um, this should be something that we should be looking at more, more uh, pointedly. And especially those of us who do have the ability to make that choice, maybe that's something that we um, should very, very uh, strongly consider. I mean, there are situations like, for instance, um, in the early um, 1800s, it might've been absolutely necessary for certain segments of the population to send their children to work in factories. It doesn't mean that child labor in factories is an abuse. there might've been absolutely necessary for certain segments of the population um, in industrializing or pre-industrial United Kingdoms to send their children down in coal mines and work uh, for the survival of the family. That doesn't mean that that's not child abuse and that that system is not preferable.
1: Uh, Okay, so three things there. First is the suicide rates. Like America has the highest suicide rates but not the highest public education rates. Like again, Germany has completely outlawed homeschooling. They have lower suicide rates than America by a decent margin. Uh, Suicide rates are actually higher in lower to middle income countries, which is like 300 per 100,000 versus high income countries. It's about 200. So that's, again, not the case that the highest achieving
2: countries have the highest suicide rates. It's it's not true. Um, Just one one second. Um, Dom, let me interject here. Looking at suicide rates among um, school-age children, so children, teenagers, school age. We're not looking at the general suicide rate in the country. We're looking at a cohort that's particularly affected by that. Um, that's that's what we need to look at. And that is that is like, if you dig into the data, that is that that is what you'll find. Age standardized rates. It's,
1: it shows those that are the same. They're, 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 they aren't different. So Europe, it's 15 crude rate. Age standardized rate is 13. Uh, Southeast Asia is 13, 13. Global is 10, 10. As specific is 10, eight, they're about the same. So there's not a significant difference whatsoever. Again, so the numbers come out to be pretty much the same.
2: Yeah, I will, um, for, for everyone who's interested in, in uh, following up on this, that's something I'll be addressing in, um, a podcast issue that I'm, or a podcast episode that I'll be putting out in the future here, not too far. So at, um, Rawhomeeducation.com, you can find my podcast and I will definitely go over the data on that one. Um, because I don't have that right in front of me, uh, right here uh, in my notes. So I'm not gonna, you know, spend time trying to trying to argue that out uh, with you there. But, um, but I do, you know, again, I have seen to my satisfaction that's borne out in the data.
1: Okay, uh, the second thing you mentioned was the implementation. You said just because it's hard, we shouldn't do it, or we shouldn't not do it, whatever. Like, it's not just that it's hard. It's that if we did it, millions of people would starve to death. The the problem isn't that it's hard. The problem is, is that it would kill everyone. Like, if we implemented homes, like, the reason I said, if we force everyone to go to homeschool, like, obviously, I'm also against forcing anybody to do anything. But if everyone in India chose or forced to do homeschooling instead of public schooling, and one of the parents had to stay home instead of going to work, I'm not talking about forcing the kid to work, I'm talking about the parents, then they would lose a significant portion of their income, which they need to feed their family, and they would starve to death. So the the problem here isn't that it's hard, it's that it's completely impossible to do that and to feed the family in most standardized countries. Uh, you, You just can't do it. So the problem isn't about the difficulty, it's that it's not possible without killing people. Uh, So, I mean, yes, it's better, just like it's better to have every, every, give every person their own personal doctor. And sure, I would be totally for that if it was possible, but creating 50% of the population making them doctors to give every person a doctor is completely unrealistic it can't be done. The same reason we can't do public schooling or homeschooling for, because to have one parent to one kid and stay at home and not get the money to feed the family is not realistic in most third world nations. A lot of first world nations, it is possible. And I agree. If you do have the money to homeschool, you probably should. It's significantly better for the child in many ways, but it's not a realistic thing to imp- apply on a systemic level. All right.
2: So the, the contention that I have here is <clears throat> That for the vast majority of, of you know human existence, our development on the planet as a as a species, home education has been the norm, and somehow you know uh, somehow we didn't all starve to death. Um, because we were being home educated, and and when there was starvation in the past and privation, it was largely due to the absence of, you know, in industrialized methods of food production and so forth and so on. That has very little to do with whether or not um, you had a second person, um, you know, two two household, in, uh, two income household, or a single income household, or whatever. I mean, even up until recently. Um, in the United States, uh, historically speaking uh, families were not necessarily uh, double income. Um, and so again the historical norm that uh, agrarian societies have had where you know dad is out uh, being the the breadwinner and mom is home um, taking care of the the more domestic domestic chores which would, which also included the primary education of children. I don't see that that sets up a situation where millions of people are starving. I see that that's a pretty uh, hyperbolic statement. Take into consideration that as a percentage of income, uh, the amount of money that any family on the earth today spends on food um, or even basic needs of life is as low as ever in the history of humanity. Um, <laughs> I don't think that by taking half a day um, to work specifically towards the education betterment of your offspring um, is a death sentence or a, you know, something that's going to like, Oh no, that the entire country is going to starve because uh, you know, the population um, decides to to proffer their the education of their children over over economic advantage.
1: Well, I mean that's demonstrably the case especially in countries like Africa and India where you might have to walk for several hours to get clean water and then walk back for several hours like uh, putting in like we're just gonna teach the kids while walking or whatever like this is not not a realistic thing. you're comparing it to first world nations in first world nations is it possible yes in third world nations no it's not possible and comparing it to 1950 standards, that wasn't home education. That was parents teaching kids how to live, like how to go to work, how to hunt, how to fish. They weren't teaching them mathematics and English because they didn't know those things. Like first the parents need to know those things to be able to teach them to the kids, uh, which again, because this is relatively recent in India, most parents don't in the first place. Uh, The literacy rate is only in the 80 percentages. So they have to send them to schools in many cases because they don't have any of the education material, which you need money to get, or the knowledge required to teach the kids the ed- education material. So in most third world nations, this isn't an option. It's it's just completely not an option. I don't even understand what you're saying. Like, where are they going to get the books in Africa or India? How, are they just going to, like, read the math out of the universe? <laughs>
2: Um, you and I both understand that in the modern age, um, procuring of especially, you know, the the rudiments of an education, the, the necessary rudiments for for education, you just mentioned it, books, um, is you know takes the, the just a minimal amount of of uh, necessary economic investment. But again, like going back and saying this system is not. Doable because um, we can find societies that are at an economic level where it's uh, difficult to implement or or even looks impractical to implement is the same thing as saying you know in an economic environment where it looks like we should have child labor um, that that isn't um, preferable. So I, I'm I'm not I'm not arguing with you that in a situation of um, abject poverty there there aren't circumstances in which um some kind of uh public schooling may be necessary to get you past that uh point where um the next generation can take care of their children but i'm not even that's not the 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 development of it is not what i'm wanting to argue but when we do have the choice when nations do have a choice and i i am definitely more convinced than 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 you are of course that 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 the spectrum of of uh nations that already have that ability to choose, when you do have the choice, parents, societies in general should look towards home education because it gives better outcomes. So yeah, is in, is India or other third world nations in a place where it's much harder to implement than the United States? Sure, without question. Uh, should parents in uh, economic uh, environments that would allow for it um, make that choice? Absolutely, they should. And should countries who are developing a public education program, look more seriously at home education as a mainstream option. Um, I think the the data again, bears out that absolutely, without a question, without a doubt, they should.
1: Well, yeah, I, I agree with you there. Home education is great for the people who can afford it. And if we could subsidize it with the government, that'd be great too. I'm, I'm happy with that. Even with the, the crazy religious uh, underpinnings which i think shouldn't be done in homeschooling it's still a a very successful program to homeschool kids and we should subsidize it and make as make it as possible to do so for as many people as possible but again the vast majority of people even in america can't really afford to homeschool their kids because many of them need to work two jobs at uh, underpaid jobs for under minimum wage it's not possible for them to do it like especially for single moms who make up a very large portion or uh parents who both have very low paid jobs in America, because you can't just do like what they did in the 1960s, because the pay has dropped so dramatically, the average pay in America and other uh, First World nations, the average pay comparatively to now from back then, when you did have a single parent uh, income, is significantly lower. So Saying that because it was done back then that it can be done today doesn't make any sense because you can't make that comparison due to the disparity in the pay and how pay wages have not gone up at all uh, relative to the GDP and how the expenditures have gone up significantly, like cost of living, cost of food, cost of uh, amenities, uh, taxes, everything has gone up in prices, housing especially, but pay has not gone up. And so in order to, create the same standard of living today as it was back when we had single parent homes in wealthy nations. You could not do that today because the pay is different. We're not paid as much overall and things cost more than what they did. Um, So so that it, it isn't a realistic comparison to say that because they did in the past, we can do it today.
2: Yeah, the I mean, the comparison that I'm making is not to the 1960s that I'm making comparison is to the the, you know the 19th century, um, and prior to the 20th century when home education was forcibly fasted on the United States and as well as many other most other European nations. So, like in the 1960s, home education was almost unheard of, right? largely why because it was illegal in most states in the United States, um, until uh parents began to fight fight for their rights to educate the children um, on their own. And uh, so, I mean, the comparison I'm making is not to the, you know, golden age of the American um, worker. I mean, the comparison is to, you know, the industrializing pre-industrial America, where of course, if you compare comparative household can to then we're doing much better than we were way back then. Um, and still we found time to educate our children. And when you have, um, look at the data of, you know, the relative rates of literacy, um, even then, um, with, when you take into consideration the classes of people who are not legally prohibited from learning, um, then yeah, it's, it's, uh, still pretty still pretty good so again um we're not comparing to the 1960s we're comparing to something earlier and basically saying that if we could do it in an agrarian pre-industrial society we can do it now and we see that the idea that um you know again the utopian progressive idea of their uh 19th century that if we can just um you know have the the education of the children being taken care of by the state, then that will give us uh, this great utopian society that has not panned out, but we see in every case that home education seems to be to be better, uh, largely because it is the natural and the normal way of doing things. And, and, and that that is the function, one of the functions of the family is to socialize and educate their children to the standards of the society that they're living in. So um, again, I, I believe that your 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 first contention that it's not practicable in all nations everywhere as the economy of the world stands today, um, and your example of India is a good one. Um, you know, I've already stated my contentions with that, uh, my objections to that contention. But when it comes to the United States, I am uh, for the vast majority of people, it's it's definitely a choice of um, some you know marginal economic advantage over the advantage of your children. Um, and again, this is looking at from a perspective of someone who uh, has worked and lived in both countries, both the United States and Russia. Russia being a lot less economically advantaged than, than the United States.
1: Uh, well, the first thing is like if we're talking in the nineteenth century, like American literacy rates was like in the in the seventy percentage range, and it's gone up to like the ninety percentage range since compulsory education. So if you're comparing to then, that would be a significant decrease in literacy. Uh, so I don't think that's a good comparison to make. We're going based off the 19th century.
2: We're you're looking at um, the pre-public school. So public school is uh, government. Public school is basically implemented in the uh, right at uh, the beginning of World War One and into uh, the the post-war. Interim War period was the first large expansion of public education in the United States. So what we should should be doing is comparing the results of post-industrial United States, so the late 19th century, early 20th century, with you know some subsequent generations. And um, there there was a small uptick. Yeah, I will admit that, um, but it wasn't uh, that significant. And then in later years, it it seems that actually the effect has not been has not been that great. So. Um, it's borne out in the in the numbers. Um, if you if you compare apples to apples here,
1: twenty percent seems pretty significant to me. I think that's a significant increase.
2: Mm-hmm. Again, if you're looking at the generation um, that's already in the industrialized United States, that's the very end of the nineteenth century, very beginning of the twentieth century. That generation, comparing to the generations that came afterwards, so the World War II generation um, and after. The, the increase isn't that significant, Tom. Um, yeah, if you go back to mid-1800s uh, Civil War era, sure. I mean, but then again, you have to remember that, that the United States was largely an agrarian country at that point, and the benefit, economic societal benefit to literacy at that point wasn't as great as it would be later as the country industrializes. So the again, the pa- families adapt to their environment uh, because they want to give their children the advantage that they themselves have. So a uh, child that's raised in a farming community learns to farm. A child that ra- is raised in a community where computers are ubiquitous learns to handle a computer. That's the natural progression of how things uh, how things work. A child that is raised in a society that values um, STEM knowledge is going to be exposed to that just by virtue of the fact that they're in that society. I mean, this is just, this is just naturally what happens.
1: Uh, definitely not. Like, we could just pick a like Iowa or something. Go to the middle of Iowa. Or go to some sort of some like a redneck majority state, and we teach them basic science. They don't know it. Uh, many of them are homeschooled in this case like basic science creationism especially doesn't teach their kids basic geology we can the fact that it's valued in the culture doesn't mean that the kids are going to be taught it. that's not how it works uh and most again the fact that it's valued in society doesn't mean the parents knew it to be to teach it to their kids so again this is all predicated on the, the the hope that the parents have access to this knowledge and then want to teach it to their kids. So just saying that the society values it, therefore the kids will learn it inherently is completely backwards. That's the whole reason that most big countries make homeschools illegal is because public schools work. They they make people qualified to work and they bring up the GDP of the nation. It's if you don't have a requirement of public schools, most kids don't get homeschooled and don't get taught anything. It's not that, well, if you just outlaw public schools or whatever, most kids are going to get homeschooled. It's not going to happen. Most of them just aren't going to get educated. You need public schools to get most kids educated because most kids are not going, most parents are not going to homeschool their kids. Most parents are not that invested in the education. Just assuming that the society values it, therefore the kids will learn it is just not correct.
2: I mean, again, that's a point of a point of disagreement between you and I in, that, in the sense that, um, we see that that again the 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 level of uh of of education um in home education versus public education whenever it's compared is always is always better and the explicit reasoning that the that the architectures and engineers of of public education gave for public education has nothing to do with teaching science has nothing to do with teaching math or basic literacy. The The fundamental reasons of the architectures, architects of public education are always, they're, 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 it's always a political motivation. So saying that we need public education to advance science or to advance uh, general learning goes against the, the premise of the people who actually built that system. Um, the system was never said. I mean, explicitly, Fichte, Johann Fichte says that the goal of uh, educating children publicly has nothing to do with teaching them reading, uh, writing, or arithmetic. You know, uh, it has to do with a formation of social consciousness, and that, to me, is again, um, it, it, it. It goes against the idea that we need public education to teach um, science or to teach uh, certain things that are valid by society. The observation is that the things that are valid by society, um, parents will pass on to their children, um, and that that is, of course, you can we can find anecdotal uh, evidence to show that that's that that's not true. But if you look at the larger uh, statistical analysis, especially of, again, like we always we've talked about and you agree with that the the success rate of between, um, you know, uh, public and home education bears it out that that parents actually are invested in their children and actually do want to give their children the best that they can. And so, again, do we need to reform um, the system? to allow for more people to, to take advantage of this particular option. Um, yeah, I would agree with you there, too. You know, if we take into consideration that the average um, school-age child, uh, basically the the, ed, the cost per annum cost of their education is somewhere between, in the United States, depending on the state, somewhere between eleven and $13,000 per child, yeah, if you were to give um, your average <laughs> family uh, that money as opposed to putting in the public education system, would they be able to afford home education? Sure. So are there necessary reforms to make this idea uh, more palatable, more, more easy to adapt? Absolutely. Would, th- would there be things that we could do to make it easier for parents? Sure. Um, that does not mean, that does not build a case that uh, home education is not a viable option on a societal level.
1: Uh, Well, again, the further problem is that even if we did this, most parents would not teach their kids if we look at the past that's not what happens they don't the the stated purpose of public education today is to teach kids math and science and to get them into the workforce the fact that people in the past instituted public education as a way to manipulate people is irrelevant it's a genetic fallacy the fact that they created it for that purpose doesn't tell us anything about what it's used for today the reason most countries implement public education today is because they want people to work they want people to be educated and make discoveries and invent and invest and companies so they want people to be qualified to do these things and so they give you the education to make you a good worker in the society pretty much they don't really care about history as much history is cut out in most schools they focus on STEM. STEM is the thing that's not ever cut out it's required in every school because that's the expressed purpose of public education today pretty much everywhere in the world like obviously it was used for manipulation in the past and still is today with the texas board of education uh manipulating of the historical data but majority of schools know today it's about science that's what we teach people assuming that the parents are all going to buck up and be good teachers and teach their kids is a ridiculous uh, ideological hope that is it's not realistic
2: again um the the idea that parents are not going to you know teach their children um for some reason we we believe that things like you know, moral instruction of children you know, should be left to the parents. But whether or not they ha- can, you know, handle an idea of mathematics, oh, that is completely out of the question. You know, that, that has to be handled by, um, you know, professionals. You know, um, the genetic fallacy is is just is just not true. Just because, like I've mentioned, yo Fichte, but throughout the last two hundred years of the development of home of public education in the West, particularly. Um, Every time you have a, someone who is a deep thinker on the subject, and who is uh, basically working on being, um, impl- you know, being the brain power behind implementation or behind the architecture of it, you always see the same themes. Um, so if you start with, um, you know, Johann Fichte and Friedrich Froebel in the Prussian state, who instituted the first, who were the brain power behind the institution, the first public school and public kindergarten systems, you move on to, you know, Horace Mann and John Dewey, to Alexander Inglis, to Bryant Conan, um, even, even as, um, as recent as you know, Elizabeth um, Bartholow from how was it Stanford or who who basically is is echoing all the same argumentation that the that the older and from from the most you know the the oldest to the most recent is that, again, the primary focus of public education is not to teach um, math and science, is to have a a particular social environment that the the medium becomes the message. Having your child leave home, go to school, do certain things, programs them. And and Elizabeth Barthelow, for instance, in her um, essay um, concerning the you know the 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 reason why she thinks that home education should be illegal, again, never mentions academic achievement as one of the reasons for her. And I, again, I bring her up not because she's super influential in in today's. and time will tell how influential uh, her work and the work of those like her is. But it reflects that this is not just a genetic fallacy that I'm bringing up. This is a a consistent, persistent um, core motivation for. Uh, public education is social formation and so then again if we're comparing you know apples to apples let's compare you know social formation in the one and social formation in the other or compare you know academic outcomes in the one or the other and as you have already admitted academic outcomes in <clears throat> excuse me home education is much better than in public education excuse me uh,
1: Uh, Well, again, the problem isn't saying that because they do better in homeschools, therefore the goal of public schools must not be education is false. Like, the fact that they don't do it as well doesn't mean it's not their goal to actually be successful. Like if you read, if you just go to any education website, like education.nsw.gov, or Department of Education, every single one of them explicitly says the whole point of our purpose is the primary role of public education is rigorous academic instruction, preparing the students for academic success, blah, 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 blah. like that is the entire point. Saying that there are these other people who you who you uh, like the multiple of anecdote is not evidence saying that all of these people like to interpret education in this way is a relevance to like the department of education or how education is actually written. So that that, none of that's actually evidence. The vast majority of education is centered around uh, SAT, ACT, which they don't have any history on them. Those are all math and science and English. There's no history on those tests. All of the biggest tests that measure academic success don't have history on them at all, uh, which the whole point of the, the GPA is to get into Colleges and prepared for these big tests. History isn't required on any of those, so, so I don't I don't know where you're getting this idea that the entire point of education is to manipulate kids into being good citizens when none of that stuff is in any of the primary tests to measure your academic success.
2: Because the again, the architects of the system that we have inherited um, talked about that that the primary way of indoctrination isn't through the 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 curriculum so for instance if you're to compare the curriculums of japan uh russia brazil united states united kingdoms you're going to find significant differences in the curriculum what what is going to be the same is the medium the actual institution the way that it's set up is largely the same and the reason for that is that the medium has become or is the message the you know repetitions, thousands and thousands of repetitions leave your home um, parents not having the, the amount of attention that they otherwise would give to their children, giving you know re- respect and deference to authority figures, not based on relationships, not based on um, have on any kind of uh, real reason other than the fact that they're an authority figure. these are the kind of things that again are outlined again and again and again in the literature as being the primary lessons of public education. Um, you know Brian Conant, who is the uh, uh, chemical warfare specialist, nuclear physicist, who was actually very instrumental in reorganizing the public edu- education, updating it public education since the United States in the 1960s, you know, is, is very explicit about the fact that the, the, the curriculum will change with time, um depending on you know the the political or economic needs, but that the main thing is that children should be um, taken from their families and and put into the social incubator that inculcates particular social values um so that that is the the main the main thing and I uh, again, like we can point to failings of home education um you know there are definitely there are definitely things that we can that we can look at. Um, but just like, I, I don't think that, um, again, if we're looking at the academic achievement, um, the, the, the data bears out that the home education is definitely the better, the better system. Um, and if you're looking at what someone's, you know, intrinsic motivation is for something, look at the results and not, um, at what they say, because you can say a lot of stuff, but when uh, push comes the shove. What do you What do you get? Right. So, looking at compare again. That's why, why I look at comparing the implementation of public schooling in the United States and the acquittal rate of jury trials um, as a metric for um, sort of uh, you know deference to authority uh, as being the the expressed uh, goal of um, public education.
1: The expressed goal of public education is not to take kids from their homes and indoctrinate them. That's absolutely false. Many schools offer uh, uh, online schooling. Many schools offer all kinds of alternatives to that. That isn't the goal. None of that is required in any part of public education. Public education is just about give kids the information in a setting where you can. And so if since because things are becoming online more, nobody's against online education. Like, it's fine. No one cares. The, the, the reason we have a school is because you need the kids to be in the same vicinity to hear the teachers. This is not like a grand... Uh, 4D chess conspiracy to get kids indoctrinated into the society of going to a school every day and being stripped from their parents. It's just, that's, that's how you get them to the source of information because the source of information is the mouth of another human being. Uh, there's nothing. Except for, in-
2: except for historically, except for historically all the thinkers who have, who have been the architects of of public education have been influential in that then the main names that you can point to all say that except for that. Like, and, and, Multiple and, and one that of the things just, just really, don't matter. yeah, just, but, but it does matter. Um, and here's, and here's one of the reasons, another, another thing to think about, and that is why are these alternatives available, for instance, in the United States today? Why are, you know, distance courses and online courses and all, you know, pretty much every state in the union, you know, uh, more or less allows for home education with varying levels of distri- of restriction, you know, why is that? Well, it's because back in the 1960s, in late 1960s, 1970s, and 1980s, you had a generation of parents, a couple of generations of parents who fought tooth and nail for the right to do that. It wasn't like the government was like, oh, yeah, you want to educate your kids at home? That's fine. No problem. Um, it It was a battle to regain those rights. And so to just say like, oh, you know, everyone's fine with home education and you can do online courses if you want is avoiding the 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 girl in the room that no uh, society you know the government especially the united states uh, or not especially but in the united states in particular was definitely against it um even you know 20 30 years ago
1: again genetic fallacy so you can't say well ah, it was instituted by these people who have this motive that they wanted to adhere to it doesn't matter like if someone built a hammer with the motive of building like a a, a Prison or whatever, you can use the hammer to do all kinds of other things that they didn't intend. The fact that the people who may have started the education system did it for this reason is irrelevant to how it is being used today. It's a, it doesn't matter. It's a genetic fallacy. Uh, the whole point of education is to make people good workers to promote the economy. That's, that is the entire, in every economics class you ever take, why is education important? Because we need people to go to work. That's why education is important. Every economics class is going to tell you this. This is why we need education. It's not for indoctrination. It's not for the getting people to get used to being away right from their parents. Like that's, that's irrelevant. Like no one cares about that. No, that's never talked about in the economics class. We need to kit, take kids away from their parents for eight hours a day. Cause that's beneficial. Like no one says that that's not in any paper or in any academic journal. No, no one says that. Um, it, it's all about making kids smarter so they can work because we we want people to build the economy up. That's the point of education. That's the only thing the government really cares about is their tax money.
2: Again, um, when you look at the, and again, you know, I know you'll say that, you know, multiple of antidote isn't, isn't evidence, but when you look at the people who brought the education system from Prussia United States, who helped implement it, and throughout the 20th century have been responsible for the brainpower of updating it, all disagreed with you, um, and they all believed that you know public school was more than just uh, a, a way to teach people how to be better, you know, more literate. Um, so
1: they don't uh, matter. Again, like I literally, nothing my...
2: they say matters at all.
1: Like they can have whatever motives they want. The government can hire them to do work because the government wants them to do this job for the government's purposes, which is to make people. Big burkers. The fact that those individuals have an opinion on their work is irrelevant. None of their opinions matter whatsoever. The only thing the government cares about is economics. We want our tax money. There's, there's no secret indoctrination of take kids away from your parents. That the, there's no benefit to that. No one in the government cares about that. They want kids to go to work. That's it. That's all they care about.
2: Yeah, and again, um, I think that most parents probably have. Uh, higher aspirations for the children than just for them to go to work.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I agree. So, I don't think it's a good thing um, that, that we're forcing kids to go to work. But... So. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go to q and I think we've articulated our positions pretty clearly.
0: You got it. Well, thank you very much. And want to let you know, folks, Our guests are linked in the description. So if you want to hear more of our guests, it doesn't have to stop here. You can hear more by clicking on those links. And thank you very much for your questions, folks. Excited to get into these. So first up, oh, this must have snuck by. Nice super sticker. Appreciate it from Mike Emge. Appreciate it. And P. Barnes says, how do you replace the social skills you gain in public education when homeschooling? I think that's for you, T-Jump.
1: Actually, it's for him, but I'll, I will answer it. Yeah. The social skills <laughs> in homeschooling are actually usually better than the social skills in public schooling. So there's been a number of studies that have shown that in homeschooling, you have better social skills than in public schooling. Uh, public schooling, even though you have more interactions with people your own age, in homeschooling, the parents usually go are proactive in making their kids do social civic stuff. And so even though you have, it seems like in public school you'd have more social interaction, in homeschooling you'd actually truly have more social interaction, get better socialized. Um, but you still get a lot of social interaction in public schools too because you're around people all day.
0: Gotcha. You're right. That was totally for justice. <laughs> Long day. Okay, next one. <laughs> but Seth...
2: yeah, Tom, Tom answered. <laughs> <perfectly>. <laughs> Thank you, though, Tom, <laughs>
0: for humoring me. <laughs> Seth Nesmith says to both, do you believe what is needed to go to college parentheses k through 12 could be compressed by say 50% could homeschool help by compressing that
1: oh yeah we question? could compress it by like 90% most of the garbage that people are taught in high school is a complete waste of time like history we could just get rid of all of history pretty much it's it's completely useless why do we need like President Washington, Lincoln, like no, you don't need that. You need math. You need English. That's it, and pretty much everything else can be gone. Geography, you don't need geography. We want smart kids who can like do science. We don't need useless garbage facts. Completely useless.
0: Well then, okay. So next yeah. question. Oh wait, let me give you a chance to respond, <laughs> Justice. So they they said for both. So Justice, yeah.
2: <laughs> One of the things that radicalized me as a as a you know home home education advocate was that I was a teacher in a public school setting for three years, and it was like I was an English teacher, as English language is a foreign language. That's not the the top priority thing, but I was like, the curriculum that we're supposed to give in a year, like I can give this in a month. Like we could we could have the entire. You know, twelve years worth of English in a year. Like, talk about fifty percent. Like exactly what what Tom is saying. Like nine years. Most home educating parents find that beyond pre- preliminary instruction of their children, um, up to about age eight or nine, when they have a really solid grasp on basic arithmetic, reading, and writing skills, they can they can their children can attain can go through the, their curriculum pretty much independently of the parent um, in the, in the matter of three to four hours a day. So kids sit down at nine, they're done by one, they eat lunch, boom, they're out the door. They can do whatever they want. So compressing. Yeah. 50%. That's, that's, that's easy. like right <laughs> No problem.
0: Thank you very much. And this next one coming in from Seth Ness. Oh, we got that. Thanks for Farron Salas. Good to see you. Says homeschool prom sucked nasty guy (laughs) it's a dad joke he says thanks mvd for all you do thanks for your kind words farron and then good day to you sir says in canada you need a bachelor's degree in education with additional certificates in science or math to teach our children what is justice's education
2: yeah um uh I have a I have a bachelor's degree from h HNU um in autodidactics uh so that's my background in in uh, higher education You got it. And, and.
1: bachelor's in So what is that really a thing cuz autodidact is like self-taught hard...
2: right? H H u is hard, no- hard Knocks University and uh, autodidactics yeah. so,
1: yeah. Thanks, so I thought. but actually I wanted to I wanted <laughs> to address that because the the stats are actually that parents who don't actually have a formal education uh, and homeschool their kids still do better than kids going to public schools with someone who's formally taught. So the fact that parents don't actually have a degree in education, as long as they're invested in trying to teach their kids and take the time to do it, they actually do end up better than people with a degree. So that isn't a good good question.
0: Gotcha. And thank you very much for your question from Mars. The man appreciate it said, Mr. Walker, to what standards should we hold home school or home educators to public educators are almost universally required to have a bachelor's and actively continue in a significant graduate level and professional development to maintain certification.
2: Uh, and again, just, I mean, that goes back to the, the previous question and and Tom pretty much answered that for me. Thanks to, to, the, to the strange arrangement that we, the, the strange and often beneficial arrangement we have in the United States legislatively, you have different states in the United States who have different levels of requirements for home education. And what you've seen is the, you know, parents having um, these requirements placed on them doesn't they don't do necessarily better. Like having a, uh, parents who do not have higher education, bachelor's degrees, what uh, teaching certificates, don't seem doesn't seem to have a big effect on um, the outcomes of their children. And again, the average outcome of the home-educated child, re- regardless of the parents' uh, education uh, level of education, is is better than the average um, public schooler. So again, I mean, the the question is. Uh, it, it's it's a it's a matter of of appearances. Like it seems like it would make sense that you if you require all this continuing education or a higher education degrees or college degrees, whatever, for parents to be able to educate their own children, you'd get better results. But again, the statistics bear it out that that that's just not true.
1: Well, as for a standard, you could say the results. Like if the kids get higher test scores being homeschooled, that's a good standard to hold it to.
0: Next up. This one coming in from, oh, we have another one from Matthew R. Appreciate it. Said, okay, it's a lot, but don't worry. We can, uh, you'll be able to make sense of it. Even in first world nations, more than 60% of households, both parents work full time. And many of these families rely on both parents' income. I would argue this isn't a choice that many families can even seriously consider. As such, wouldn't many of our statistics on schooling be skewed due to homeschooling families tending to be more affluent, educated families? Not all parents have expertise enough to keep up with their students' learning as is. Tom, yeah, or Justice?
2: Uh-huh.
1: Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with pretty much everything you said. That's That was one of my points.
2: Gotcha. Yeah so yeah again just just uh bring that back in is that these again the statistics bear out that even families that are economically deprived or economically disadvantaged um, their children do better home educated comparative to the children in the same economic class in public public education so making a choice um to home educate um even if it causes marginal uh, economic disadvantage in your family is still better for the child. And I think we as parents, our responsibility is to do the best by our children that we can.
0: Gotcha. And thank you very much for your question. Coming in from Mark Reed says, Justice, you stated that there is a correlation between public school and suicide. Can you show any causation
2: between these? Again, like like Tom jumped on me after that, and and rightfully so. Like uh, correlation is no proof of causation; it just is a um, it's just a it's something that that, that jumps out at you at the data. Is if you look at it, go through it um, country by country, the the amount of public education, or especially hours spent in public education per country, um, and a lot of times success rates in public education uh, is correlated to a higher. Uh, suicide rate in children of uh school attending age and uh I know Tom disputes that um that assertion I'm not saying that that's that's conclusive or 100% I'm just saying it is um uh, interesting to 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 consider that you know you know you have a a, a system that says we're going to take the kids and we're going to be responsible for their education and for their formation um, and then you have a larger uh, suicide rate, you know, it could, could definitely be related. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if we did find a, a, a better, harder relationship, if we did the regressive data analysis necessary to prove that.
0: Gotcha. And thank you very much for your question. This one coming in from crep. S appreciate it. Friend said public education standards set a baseline for society at large well, giving common ground to everyone via curriculum. T-Jump is assuming educated people are creating well-rounded children via homeschool. Maybe.
1: Well, all of the studies show that. Like, if you could go to homeschooling on just the wiki or whatever, and you go to results. You can sh- They show that the homeschooling results are uh, 30% better or something like that than the average public school results.
0: Next up. Hardcore hard X Core Darkness says T jump, is your chair haunted? And if yes, what implications does this introduce to your dogma?
1: Uh yes, yes, it is haunted by James Great Great Grandmother. It's how I learn all of his secrets. Oh my
0: gosh, why do you have to make it personal? Okay. Corvus Crux says I went to a homeschool co-op ran by a college professor and other teachers we would have a 10 student max class t jump if we had more of that co-op model would you be more open to homeschooling
1: yeah i'm perfectly open to homeschooling i just think it can't be done for most parents so yeah like that would essentially just be a smaller school gotcha
0: and thanks for your question silver harlow good to see you says justice those people you quote about why they wanted school are all dead now and no longer telling people how or why to run schools.
2: Yeah, And the point that I, I'd like to bring up here and make it a little bit more express or explicit than, than I was uh, doing a, a, a poor job of when I was talking to you, jump is that you not only look at their personal opinion of how the system is implemented, but... When they say, for instance, that part of the indoctrination they're trying to provide is um, age segregated classrooms, is uh, specifically having different teachers consistently changing, um, even in lower class grades, um, that these that these particular artifacts of public education that we see are the means of indoctrination. So my thing is, is sure. I mean, maybe modern education. You know, of course, your, your local principal, your local school board isn't sitting there saying, you know, we need, the main goal of education is to indoctrinate children. But if you're using the same methods that were expressly, expressly and explicitly put into place for that purpose, you got to ask yourself, is that still what's happening? And I think I think, again, with the correlation or looking at jury trial acquittals and as they drop in relationship with the implementation of public school across the United States in the late um, 1800s and early 20th century, you'll, you'll, I think that's born out. Gotcha.
0: And thanks for your question. Coming in from Gabriel K. Good to see you, Gabriel. Says, I hope you were joking about history, T-Jump.
1: Nope. History is garbage. You don't need it for anything. Like a quadratic equation. No human should have to right, well- a quadratic equation.
2: Next up, thanks for your question. I uh, I just have to have to have to have to just just have to disagree with DJ. History is important, right? <laughs> Next up, uh, Oh my em,
0: Empedocles, appreciate your question. Says question for T jump: Would you homeschool your children if you had the choice to? Oh when no, boarding school. Instant, to boarding school. Sorry. <laughs> This guy, <laughs> what was it that you said?
1: Instant boarding school as soon as they're like four.
0: Oh my goodness, Tom,
1: <laughs> until they're at least like 20.
0: Do you think Godless Girl is going to go along with that? <laughs> Next up, thank you for your question. Seth Nesmith says, a bit off topic, but do you think there's a correlation between Mississippi being the most religious state and it being the least educated?
2: Yeah, the um. <laughs> The historically, the, the the historically, the correlation between religio- religiosity education has always been positive. In our particular context, the United States, uh, modern that is uh, something that, as a religious person myself, it's like, gosh. Um, but you know, I think that's that's one data point, and we, we have to take it on the chin
0: gotcha. And I want to say I forgot to mention folks want to request if you happen to identify as I N C E L. We are looking to host a debate on that topic. Don't say the word you guys, don't. Tom, I know you're you're, you're gonna don't do it. We are looking for a debate on that controversial topic. So, we want you to, if you can, just shoot me an email at moderndaydebate at gmail.com if you happen to identify as I-N-C-E-L, as uh, we are really hoping to host a debate on that soon, and we have Nama Cates who'd be willing to debate you on whether or not that position is reasonable. So we had one guy email, I haven't heard back from him, very sad, but also want to remind you, our guests, Justice and T-Jump, are linked in the description, folks. Now that the stream is ending, I mean, it's a great time to click on their links because you're probably like, hmm, I like that. I want more. So you can hear more at those links. We want to say a huge thank you. Justice and T-Jump, this has been a true pleasure. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us.
2: Thanks for having us on. I appreciate it. And thank you, James, for hosting this. Thanks, Tom. And,
0: ooh, last, I love this question. Gabriel K, last minute question says, how about philosophy, Tom?
1: Oh, yeah, totally useless. Just get garbage it, get rid of it, never teach it. <laughs>
0: Tom, are you serious?
1: Yes, like kids don't need to know this. Kids need to know how to pay your taxes, how to raise a kid, basic morality, how to not commit crimes. Uh, those are the things, h- hygiene and health. It, all of this garbage philosophy, uh, history, junk, get rid of it. Oh. Uh...
0: Okay, so thank you very much for that. And in general, say, I have oh. to agree.
2: In general, I have to agree with Tom, except for except for about history. I just got to just you can't touch the history, man.
0: <laughs> I can't believe it. I am shocked, and I want to also, folks. Speaking of Godless Girl, is it time to have Godless Girl on again? Uh, she apologized for her last time she was on. If you guys remember that, I think Tom was here. I was, <laughs> I wasn't here that night. Converse was in charge, but was, basically if she left in that, the middle
1: to get a beer and then fell asleep at the end. That's not that the one.
0: Yes. Fell asleep. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I mean, we love Godless girl, but we, uh, it might be time to have uh, her back on. So uh, it, anyway, though, folks, we, we do appreciate Justice Walker and T-Jump. It's been a truly fun time. So thank you guys so much. I'll be back in just a moment, folks, with a post-credit scene on upcoming debates. And so thanks, everybody. Stay tuned for that. And one last thank you to our guest, though. It's been a true pleasure to have. Whoa, 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 wait. This is a good one, too. Seth Nesmith, thanks to your last-minute question, said, BS, What about logical fallacies, T Jump? Shouldn't they learn
1: that? Nope, garbage, complete waste of time. How to raise a kid, how to pay your taxes, how to manage your finances, how to live. Those are the things that kids should learn in high school. Everything else is extracurricular.
2: Tom,
1: really? Those things
2: are, those things, and those things are best learned in the context of your family. So there you go. Home education is the best.
0: Ooh. All right. Well, thank you guys. Uh, it's been a true pleasure, and so thanks everybody for hanging out with us. Be back in just a moment. And yes, very excited to share the upcoming debates with you. Be right back.
1: Save big on brunch for mom. All in the Kroger app. Get 16 ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90 percent lean ground sirloin for 4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or Seven Up. All with your card.